You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Austin Davis. I'll be your focus on the show. And joining me as always is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going this week? Hey, we got playoff scenarios to talk about. I know that the, I know you love those. All right. I'm going to cue up the sound bite first. So here it is. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. Okay, so I, as I understand it, though, it's playoff scenario. Yeah, one, one this week, but we're, we've still got a ways to go. We're not, we're not that close to the end of the year, but when teams get hot and get moving, sometimes they can clinch things rather early. Um, we're talking about week 11 being really early this year. Um, actually, it's later than it usually is. Uh, but for that matter, uh, the one playoff scenario we have is Winnipeg can clinch a playoff spot with a win. At full, that's all. That's it. If they win, they're in the playoffs. <laughs> and of course, if they lose to Edmonton, ironically enough, you'll be sweating the rest of the season, right, Joe? Because Obviously, that's just doom and gloom, and the Bombers are going to lose out and miss the playoffs, right? It depends on how that happens, of course. I mean, yes, there will be a lot of agony and such things with that sort of thing, but even then, the Bombers have like a three-game lead on anybody that's close, so having your Having a stink bomb in week 11 is not going to wouldn't be the end of the world. Mind you, I wouldn't enjoy it in any way, shape, or form, but it'd be a little bit too early at that point to panic. Right. I mean, and I mean, I, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of experience panicking about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but it'd be too early to panic in week 11 having dropped a stink bomb. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the point where you could say mathematics are stupid because the truth is that especially after that second Saskatchewan win, the the Bombers had psychologically at least, you know, punched a ticket to the playoffs at that point. Right. I don't think there was any question that, you know, barring major injuries, that this team is going to miss the playoffs. So, yeah, something, okay, something pretty wacky would have to happen at this point. Right, right. But it'd be, ni- it'd be nice to punch it in in week 11 and not have oh, yeah. to even think about it going forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially since you have two games against Montreal. So those are Eastern games. So you have, uh, I should say, the Bombers have the, I would, I would have to say, the biggest majority of their games against their own conference of any team. Yeah, they've gone six and zero so far in in yeah. in the Western Division. Uh, they've yeah. got one more coming up. Then they get a bye week. Then they get Montreal back to back. Nope, actually, yeah. let's see. They get nope. So they Edmonton, then BC. So that'd be eight. Oh. Um, 
a bye week, Montreal, Montreal, and then they get their ninth against Calgary. I don't think everything's quite lined up as nice and easily as it usually is, of course, with the shortened condensed schedule with um, based off the pandemic. So it's just one of those things where if it was a normal year, I'd be squawking. Like, how did this ever happen where Winnipeg doesn't even play Ottawa, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. I'm just so dang happy we have a schedule and we're playing games that uh, that's the kind of thing I'm just going to shove to the side and say, you know what? For this year, you get a pass. You got me a season. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. Is that how it worked out? That Winnipeg yes. has zero games against Ottawa? Wow. Winnipeg and Ottawa are the two teams that do not face one another this year. Wow. <laughs> Unless they beat the Great Cup. <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's go with that. Ottawa's not mathematically eliminated yet, right? They are not. <laughs> They are not, and nobody can be eliminated this week. Wow. Okay, very interesting. That's kind of interesting, the negative space quality effect uh, scenario. It's kind of interesting. Okay, all right. So Well, I mean, mean, think of it this way, though. We've got one team with eight wins, one team with six wins, and then, like, five of the the teams in the league having four or five, and happen to be one of them with five, for that matter. So we're just kind of waiting for that middle part to shuffle out and figure out who's actually going to show up in December. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about which teams are trending up and which teams are trending down uh, as we talk about last week's games. So let's get into that. Um, First off, of course, we had the week was kind of bookended by the Toronto Argonauts who in a pair of games, what six days apart because of the rescheduling issues uh, nope this was this was the normal schedule the only rescheduling that's happening is near the very end of the season okay okay but this is due to but this is due to the 14 game season right yeah so, for right. trying to play 14 games for 19 and 16 weeks yes things right. get a little condensed right. right 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 so this is a bit of a scheduling uh Quirk, nightmare. Yeah, quirk. Somewhere in between there. <laughs> Somewhere between those two things. Great, perfect. Um, I guess in these two games that uh, they've proven that when they need to, they can score in bunches. Um, in the first game, Toronto Argonauts 35, Ottawa with like 16. After a 9-8 half, uh, the Argos came out, put up 27 points, and basically a high right, highlight reel of the third quarter. Uh, they had a long pick six, like 80 yard touch, uh, interception return for a touchdown. Uh, nice 63 yarder, uh, all 63 yards of which were after the catch by DJ Foster. Nice one there. And then, of course, you know, six days later, it was Toronto Argonauts 24 at Hamilton Tiger Cats 23, in which a 13 to 5 game at the end of the third quarter. Became 23-21, and then the game with the field goal. The Argonauts currently have the second-best record in the league at 6-3, and three, to which I should first say, wow. And I guess my question to Joe is, which of these wins impressed you more of the two? I would say the second one by far. Because you did, they did, 
thoroughly beat a, a less talented team. Mind you, it took some bounces going their way for them to explode out and start getting things moving in the third quarter to make that all happen, but they did it. Uh, they took care of business against a team that had that shouldn't have played them as close as they did. Um, and then they go into their rival's house knowing that a win puts them in first place by a decent a decent amount of points here. Whereas a loss, and they're in the pile with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then to fall behind, stay behind for most of the game, and then rally like that, that's that's what we're talking about. That's what winners do. Okay. Organized trending up. <laughs> Let's talk about the Tiger Cats uh, trending down a bit. Um, by the second half, I think, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli had kind of woken up a little bit, starting to look more in form. But what do you see for the Tiger Cats going forward? Because, I mean, I, I, I mean, again, to me, this team looks trending down. Yeah, I would say so. We've been waiting for them to be that team they were in 2019 all season, and it's just not happening. I mean... <clears throat> Even if we were playing 18, they couldn't catch what they had to begin even coming into this week. But they're not even showing any signs, any sparks. They had their rivals by the throats in the fourth quarter at home. That's a game you should put away. And that and and the and the flip, uh, they would have been tied with them had they have held on to their lead. And now they're two games back. And they're looking the tiebreaker dead in the face if they lose if they lose to Toronto again. Uh, what is it, week fifteen? They can kiss the division goodbye for all intents and purposes because they lost the tiebreaker at that point. Yeah, you know the crazy thing about well, I guess it's not so crazy that Jeremiah Masoli had you know one of these brilliant stat games 24 of 33 361 yards two touchdowns against zero interceptions and the tie cats lost but what was wild to me was that okay here's Bethel Thompson and it was pretty early it was pretty established pretty early on that they weren't going to run the ball a lot and in the end you know, they ran the ball, what? I got 10 times here. You know, uh, drop, 43 dropbacks. And they still couldn't figure out how to, how to stop this uh, passing game. It's just like, wow. Wow, again. Like, we've talked about this before. Uh, this defense, you know, they're average on their worst day, but they have a lot of worst days <laughs> this season. You know, they've been very average. Yep, and winning teams don't give up 19 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and well, I'm not even going to mention how many points the Bombers have given up in the fourth quarter all season. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's but usually that's garbage time for the uh, Bombers, isn't it? And yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, so, so you're going to put that more on the Hamilton defense or this Toronto offense which again you know tends to be scoring these points in bunches well it gets to both I mean the Argo offense had to had to had to fire up in the fourth quarter to make it to to make this comeback 
Yeah. But the Ticats defense, the one stop changes yeah. the whole game. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. I believe Good. they had another extra point miss. So their special teams hasn't been as solid as it usually is. Uh, they did try a fake punt early in the game that didn't go anywhere, but I give them credit for at least making the attempt. It's about time that we see some creativity come out of a special teams this year from anybody, really. But then nobody's, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but it just, because Jalen Acklin keeps playing putting up numbers left and right and they did get Braylon Addison back but there's just a lack of spark in that offense they did put up good numbers this week but you never sat there and thought okay Toronto is going to have trouble stopping them it just didn't it wasn't a th- it, it there was a, there's not a whole lot to be afraid of on this offense right now right okay let's move on to the Friday night game, the game that I'm sure Joe would like to talk about. And I would really like to talk about too. Winnipeg Blue Bombers 30, Edmonton Elks 3. Um, just looking at the score makes you think that this wasn't much of a game. And it really wasn't much of a game. Unless you listen to the commentators on TSN. Uh, but I'll talk about them in a minute. I love this game. And I think that that folks who really appreciate football should go back and watch this game and, and pay attention to what's happening. To me, this was like a flashback to 20th century football. Here's what I mean by that. Okay, Somewhere in the early aughts, okay, people believed that they broke the Bill Belichick code for coaching. And that is this. Belichick is the first head coach to realize that football is not a game of field position, right? Or it doesn't have to be played that way, right? Football is a game of points, right? Now, of course, that seems pretty obvious to us today, but think about it. Back in the day, back in the origin of this game, what was it about? It was about crashing the line repeatedly, right? This is a game that evolved from a field position game. And that's what I love about this game. Winnipeg dominated the field position. And the whole time the commentators, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how banal the commentary was because what was it all about? It was about the score. Is that, oh, you know, the, uh, the elk should be happy that the halftime score is only 11 to three. You know, and all this. And I'm looking at this game and I see Winnipeg winning the time of possession battle by 13 minutes. You know, the Elks having to give up three safeties because they have been backed up by punts and or penalties so much. You know, I'm seeing Adam Big Hill doing, you know, a best of out there. And I'm just seeing this total domination by the Blue Bombers and just a different way to win a game in the modern day. Fantastic. I mean, again, you think you're running out of the Berlin to describe this team, but just wow, is one of the more interesting games of the season, at least half of it. Yeah, it was a little bit hair-raising to be a Bomber fan in that game because they were so dominant in that first half. Yeah. And they were only up one score, one bobble in the wrong place, or one defender tripping over their shoelaces, 
and Edmonton's back, back tying, potentially tying the game and having, and, and, and having a sparklet under them. I, I wasn't really feeling it all that much in the second, in the wow. second quarter. Mind you, I was loving how the game was going Love anywhere it. else, but the scoreboard, they still have the the kicking issue, the place kicking issue that they're apparently not going to address until God only knows at this point. Um, but I guess I can't I can't sit here and be upset with how the team is being run right now it's because well look at it. But uh, I would think eight out of nine CFL teams would have made a change of kicker over this past week. So I'm not going to sit here and go, okay, what are they doing? I'm just going to sit here, bite my tongue, and trust the process because the process is working right now. (laughs) They got four points on four field goal attempts, and they still won by 27 points. Yeah, I mean, they dominated this game. To me, at halftime, I was expecting, uh, what's his name, Milt, to come on and just rave at what a job the defense had done. Right, and they were impressive the whole game. This is like one of those soccer games that's 0-0 at half, and the commentators are raving about one side, and the Americans go, what? I don't get it. But if you had watched the game, you had seen the total domination. And the thing is, I mean, okay, I know, you know, as a Bomber fan, you're conditioned. I really think you should get over it. You've been defending champs for a long time now. Um but I know there's that thing, but she's that bad stuff doesn't happen to the bombers this year. It hasn't the breaks been. don't go against them this year. And again, like that's a sign of greatness. I think, um, I think it was Weeb Eubank said that uh, luck is the residue of skill. And, I, and I'm kind of a believer in that, you know, I, I think the breaks go teams ways when they are really dominant. Yes, and this did get far more enjoyable in the second half when they got a, when they got yeah. the eleven point lead, and then just kept doing what they were doing. It was a lot more fun to watch knowing that one one thing going wrong wasn't going to end up in a tie game all of a sudden. Yeah, but this is not the Alouettes, man. This is the Bombers. Yeah, this is you know they don't they don't yeah the breaks go their way this season. <laughs> um. And right. I also make mention yeah. of just how stupid taking three safeties in a game is when you only score three points. Because <laughs> Edmonton, Edmonton took three safeties for field position, gave up six points, and only scored three on their own. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... If you really wanted to be mean about it, you could say it was Edmonton six, Edmonton three. <laughs> right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely good. Yeah, that was kind of driving me bananas after a while because, I mean, it's a show of defeat. When they were doing it in the fourth quarter, when they had got nothing going on offense and the Winnipeg Hunter refuses to give them a touchback situation. You know, it just keeps coughing, cornering it. Another great part about this Winnipeg team, right? The punting game. Yes, the um, punting game is good. The return game showed a little bit of signs of life with Janari and Grant back. Yeah. But it hasn't shown a whole lot this year. 
and their field goal kicking isn't doing all that hot. So well, if you're Edmonton, why the heck do you not? Yeah. I mean, they're waving the they're waving the white flag. You're at you you're know? asking you're asking you know the thought is I guess is you don't want to give up a guaranteed three points. You might as well just take the two points and get better field position. But yeah, the three points hasn't been Winnipeg's game this year. Right, so why those, the heck do you not kick it right now? But then those same people are the people who would tell you, yeah, you should just go for the two point conversion every time, right? It's like, come on now, come on now. No, you don't give up the points. I think uh, three times that, but this is not the wind pull. Okay, this is not like you don't have to do it, especially in the fourth quarter, and you're already down a couple of scores. Why are you doing this? And if they don't even, they didn't even have the excuse that Montreal had, which I thought was weak of them too, by the way. But at least, you know, it was conceived that Ottawa had a special teams threat. But that wasn't even the case here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. You know, it's just like, what? (laughs) You know, so so that was pretty insane after a while. That's really great tactics there from the Elks coaching staff. I'm actually glad you brought that up so I could tee off a bit on them. Because I thought that was really weak, especially in the fourth. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's get off of that. Um, another interesting, if a little bit weird game, I thought. Calgary Stampeders 22 at Saskatchewan Rough Riders 19. The, it, it, if, you, if you closed your eyes and listened to the commentators, you would have believed that Bo Levy Mitchell was working miracles out there. Um, I forget, was this a Rod Black game? I, I know that the Alouettes game was, but was he doing this game? Because these TSN guys in this particular game, I mean, was he that great? 20 of 28, 296 yards, one TD, two interceptions? I mean, was he that awesome? I mean, again, you, you kind of feel like the Riders were losing this game rather than the Stamps were winning again. I mean, how many times have we had this scenario? Like four times this season already? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what were your takeaways from this game? Because I'll do more, but what, what were your takeaways from this game, Joe? Well, we go back to the big picture. The Riders had the chance to put a rival that's been – it's a team that a lot of their fan base considers their main rival because Calgary has been so dominant in this past sure. decade. Yeah. They had a chance to take that team and that quarterback that they detest so much and put them further down in the standings uh, and buoy themselves up to have a claim to be the second best team in the league. And on their home turf, against a team that had just beaten them the week before, so they had the revenge factor to play for too, and they couldn't make it happen. Right. Right. Yeah, that was that was the thing. I believe I picked Saskatchewan last week based on the assumption that traditionally in these bookend back-to-back games that they split. Yeah, especially if it's home and home. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't finish this one up. Now, now again, talking downwardly trending teams, let's talk the riders a little bit here. I can't figure out what's going on with Cody Fajardo. Um, how long has it been since he had a, a good game? A really good game, let's say. And I asked myself this, and the answer I came up with is week three against Ottawa. Look, the numbers say that 
Okay, so to that point, in the first three games, Fajardo had thrown four touchdowns, and he'd run one in, and he had one pick, I believe. Since then, since then, in the six games since then, four touchdown passes, but seven interceptions and just two run in. Uh, I think he's not past 300 yards in these last six games. He's passed 220, <laughs> like I think only about half of those games. So, and then I was looking at, I went back and I looked at the box scores. His receivers, his top four receivers have played in seven of the last nine games. The top two receivers have played in all nine games. And then you also have um, William Powell. As well, he's been doing a lot of pass catching. He's been doing a lot of running, a lot of good running. Yeah, so I don't get it. Is it the line? I mean, Fedorov didn't take that many sacks against Calgary, did he? Trying to recall how many sacks he took. Um, What can you make of Saskatchewan, particularly the offense at this point? He's definitely faced pressure, but I feel like they're underusing, underutilizing William Powell. Wow, really? Yeah. I mean, they, he's, he's already he's, been uh, As a fan of the opposing team, anytime Saskatchewan plays, but let's face it, pretty much any game they do play. Um, yeah, that's the guy I don't want to see with the ball in his hands, and it's not getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just two sacks, both by Mike Rose. Uh, on Fajardo, and to your point, yeah, just 10 carries and eight targets, so five receptions, so ultimately just 15 touches. So, yeah, you may be right, because it seems like he has the ball a lot, and it seems like he's doing it all for Saskatchewan, but I guess that's just a function of, well, they didn't have the ball very much in this game at all. So... um, what do you I mean, Saskatchewan does not have much of a future in 2021, do they? I mean, I just I, I, I feel like this team has been on this spiral for a long time. I mean, I was talking about those other statistics before about Fajardo. The most important one, of course, is that they're two and four in the league. And the wins were against the Lions and the um, Red Blacks. Yeah, and they're only two and four out west. Wow. I mean, they and the one win was against BC on opening day, where DC came right. out or BC came out a little bit discombobulated uh, with their quarterback situation. Got it, got it right eventually. Um, yep. And Riley's been healed up since then. Well, oh, my goodness, I mean, against the teams that they need to be beating, they're not beating them. Yes, they're just not that team. <laughs> I guess they just won't be finishing that high in the standings. You did pick that one well at the beginning. Didn't you? You had them at like four or something. Yes, but don't ask me who I had at two or at <laughs> one or anything else for that matter. <laughs> I remember. Hey, to be fair, had... I did go. I did go three and two this week and pick them. So oh, I do want to apologize to anybody that picked against every pick I made because uh, then you went two and three, and you were actually probably the smarter person uh, to do that because my pick 'em record still sucks. But I do want to apologize for actually getting it right. A little bit this week okay so but you have to do the addendum to this and that is this fade joe but not on the winnipeg team 
right? Because there's no way either you or John Q. Public should go against Winnipeg right now until further notice. So in that in that case, they would have gone three and two. Yeah. At this point, just mash the Winnipeg button until they give you a reason to otherwise. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll talk about the line next week, but they even topped their line of last week, which I thought was outrageous, and they're going to cover it. But uh, first, I guess we should go into, wow, wow, another roller coaster of emotions for Alouettes fans as Montreal wins 22-16 against the Red Blacks. Okay. For you, Joe, what's the storyline of this game? For you, it doesn't have a pony in this race. That I can write off Montreal as a serious contender this year? Oh, really? Wow. Mm, give me another week on that. But because something happened in like minute 58 that changed the dynamics of their entire season. So it's a little early to pull the plug on it. But Ottawa played with them for 59 minutes. So, and Ottawa just, it, that's not the team you want to be. Uh, trying to make a dramatic comeback victory against, right? <laughs> well, I do not understand. I, uh, you know, maybe he's a genius, but but I do not claim to understand the whole Vernon Adams sort of pattern that these Alouettes are getting into. Um, you look at these teams that win a lot in the NFL, the Chiefs are a great example of that this season where they look like they're playing for it out there. You know, and the Alouettes look like they were on offense. They look like they're playing for it out there. And, and I'm sorry, they're just not that good yet. You, you, I mean, on the first possession, you know, which is never very telling, okay, because it is my belief that any team on any level can put together that one great drive at the beginning of the game. See, it happens all the time. Jared Goff can do it, and he's terrible, okay? You can, on that first drive of the game, okay. So you don't want to say anything about that. But there was nothing after that. And, and you know, okay, so William Stanback wasn't playing, but Cameron on his face had, had a heck of a game. Uh, 21 carries for 122 yards. You know, mm-hmm. not quite Stanback. But, but and, and this is one thing that I think keeps the Alouettes alive is that um, I believe that Kari Jones likes to play the old-fashioned game. I thought they were really impressive at the beginning of the year when they were mixing a lot of standback runs in there. And uh, I'd like to see a two-back backbeat uh, towards the end of this year if we are not playing without Vernon Adams, which we won't be for the next six weeks. Next six weeks. So that basically takes us into the playoffs um, without Vernon Adams. Um, of course, Matt Schultz, just to make things weird, uh, leads that final drive, three for five. Uh, they score the touchdown, they win. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what to make of this. I, you know, I've been cynical on the Alouettes since they started losing this season. Uh, and Vernon Adams did not show that consistency. I mean, in this game, too, you know, I was getting ready to play about Adams win or lose. Now, I really shouldn't do it after that injury. That really was painful, that arm injury. Um, but 
you know, this guy, he's throwing, he's throwing too often off his feet. You know, he jumps and throws it um, on the interception, which was a heck of a great interception. You know, totally jacked out of the ball. Uh, not like Adams was telegraphing it or anything, but he was running and jumping in the air and throwing. You know, uh, these, these are bad habits. Uh, these habits where it's like there's no focus until the fourth quarter and they need a score. You know, it's, it's I think in, in a lot of ways, yeah, you don't want to blame the victim or anything, but in a lot of ways, um, you know, he didn't really need to put himself in a position to take that injury. Um, you know, it was kind of a risky additional few yards he was going for there. Uh, you know, at some point, the professional protects himself. So <sighs> I don't know what to make of the Alouettes going forward. I, I think that this will be a calmer team going forward. Unfortunately, I think they'll score even fewer points than they do now. Because you don't have faith in them to run a normal, typical offense rather than trying to do everything. Well, is Schultz that talented? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the thing about Vernon Adams is, I mean, the guy's got talent spare you know uh maybe too much creativity you know so right is a game plan is a game plan that's just your bread and butter it, that's going to be a different look for any for teams that are studying montreal it's going to be a new thing for them yeah do you think that at least helps for a week or two to get them back on their feet potentially well, next week we get next week we get ottawa right which is a great situation for them Right, because they have to take them seriously. You know, Ottawa is keeping themselves in games. They did last week against this team, um, so they have to take them seriously. But on the other hand, it's still a winnable game. Uh, they still have Cunningham lining the out there, um, catching. They still have Lewis out. There. You know, so you know, there's enough parts here. Do we know about Stanback? I assume they're keeping about another week. And and they could and they could right now because clearly Cameron Artis Payne can do the job and you can get Stanback healed up. Right. See, that's what I'm thinking is that like this is the game they want. About the only way this could be better is if the Elks are coming to town um, for the Alouettes this week. After that, well, we'll see what she'll start. We'll see what Schultz and Artist Paint can build right now. Uh, you know, it, we, we can't claim for want of weapons. So we could use more, but Wynicke's been brilliant this season. So, you know, it's a, that's a pretty good number one. Um, in lieu of, you know, Stafford walking in through that door, uh, which he's not going to do. So we'll see. Um, jump the gun on the picks for next week. I'll probably them against Ottawa. Um, right, let's go to next week's games. Let's just jump in. All right. Enough for it. Okay. Uh, short slate next week. We start off <laughs> All right. We start off with a rematch, which I'm kind of looking forward to. I hope that Winnipeg has done a really nice job not falling into that trap of not taking it seriously. So I do like that. So, so I don't really expect uh, another Toronto game here, uh, which was their only like 
even below average game they played this season. 14 and a half point favorites. Uh, I'm not going to be squeamish about this, but I think they're going to cover that at Edmonton. Yeah, I think they feel like they could have done more last week <laughs> on the scoreboard. There was a few dust ups. They're not going to go and take Edmonton lightly because they want to. They, I think, they want to stick it, stick it to Edmonton, keep them down where they're where they're at. There's really no reason for them to try to even let them off the mat. So, and it just doesn't seem to be that the type of team they are. I think they're going to they're going to clean their clock. Um, Edmonton's going with Cornelius and Prukop as their quarterbacks. Uh, seems like they were trying to, or seems like Elizondo was blaming the loss on Harris, which just blows my mind. I, we're told that Harris is healthy. I don't see that. Uh, he was throwing a lot of the balls he threw had a lot more air under them than they usually do. So I'm wondering if the strength is all there right now. Uh, either that, or he just, or he had, a, or he was trying to get his receivers killed because. The throws he was making weren't all that hard and were right into the teeth of the linebackers, which isn't really conductive to keeping your receivers healthy. So I want to think it's more because he just didn't have the pop in his arm. I don't think I think he's a smarter quarterback than what he what it looked like if he, taking it in a vacuum. And really, I think I think this whole Edmonton organization is looking for somebody to blame for everything and. Why not tie a can to your quarterback when nothing else is going right, right? Because it clearly can't be the GM's fault. It clearly can't be the head coach's fault. Uh, front office is clearly in that organization uh, above criticism because I guess you can't even you can't criticize them and keep your job if you're in the Edmonton media right now. So why not why not try to find somebody else to blame that's not named Brock Sunderland or Jamie Elizondo? I actually wanted to get your input on that. So I guess this happened about a week ago. Eddie Steele, a reporter on the Edmonton Elks beat, made some comments on, what was it, a radio show? Calling I believe radio? so. Well, and uh, about the team, and just kind of theorizing about what was going on because, as, I don't know, I guess as he thought, uh, the situation kind of seemed mental kind of scene in the locker room with these guys um well we can we can talk about the upshot of this in a minute but what did you think of his contentions i mean he saw or he theorized that i don't know how much he knew but he theorized that the team was divided on stuff like the covid issue and that the coaching staff was a bit too uh loose in the reins i guess um, what did you make of that? Because because that's what interested me uh, a great deal. I can't sit here and say he he hit it bang on because I'm not in the locker room. Right. But they were the only team that's had a COVID issue this year. So there's at least something there. Uh, and, and we've been contending, or at least I have been contending for the last month or so, that the team is less than the sum of its parts. I might be, I might be thinking about some of these players. Um, I'm not going to name names because we know the people that have been following the league for years and years knows who the top names on this team are. And they and, and the ones that have been around for five, six years that we thought were going to put a 
going to be able to put it together in Edmonton and make a big run. It's just not materializing. And it's not to say that these players aren't good at what they're doing. It's just that they're not meshing at all. So there's something wrong because there's too much name talent there for them to be performing this poorly. So what's the problem? It's hard to say. I can't, I can't, I can't put a finger on it, but there's clearly something not clicking. I've been saying it for a month, just as an outside observer. Somebody as close to the team saying it doesn't surprise me in the least. Okay, so how did the media outlet justify and or get away with this firing of Eddie Steele? I mean, does do Elizondo and the front office really have that much pull? Possibly. Uh, I mean, this is, I believe Steele is a radio analyst on the on the Elks game broadcasts teams do have creative control over who's calling the games don't ever think that that's not the case uh they they're the ones that can tell the flagship station that we're going to go with somebody else next year if they're employing people that they don't like so they definitely have the ability to do so but to do so because of criticism that at the very least on the surface seems at least something to worth exploring right uh, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the criticism that was leveled was unfounded and just completely out to lunch or anything like that it seemed like that it seems like from the outside looking in that it, these are potentially things that could be true right 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 that's the thing that's the thing steel was just trying to connect the dots and by taking such a hardline stance about this, it is you're, confer- you're confirming everything he right, said. By right, doing you're, that. right. You're you're just gonna stir up the thoughts of the conspiracy. You're just gonna make it look like you're covering something up, even mm-hmm. if you aren't. It's, oh. And then and then no, because you could easily just soft shoe it, no comment, and just move on with your lives, and nobody's thinking about this a week later. Or you can do what they did. This is pretty weak when somebody has to lose their job over something like this. I mean, this isn't, yeah, this isn't CNN. You're not like saying nice things about Julian Assange, man, or Donald Trump for that matter. You know, this guy, he's just, this poor guy is just speculating about a Canadian football team that is doing extremely poorly. Um, and, and, yeah, poor guy has to lose his job over it. So I thought that was that was pretty sad news. Hopefully, you know, Steele can land on his feet after this because that's pretty weak. Um, right. Let's go on to okay. So we kind of hinted at this a little bit before. Mantra Alouette's four and a half point favorites still at Ottawa. Slightly disrespectful to Ottawa, but one might say, I mean, we, we can't like Matt Schultz that much as a replacement, Canada sports books. Um, however, four and a half points isn't a lot. So I guess I'll take Montreal minus the points. I think they've still got enough here against Ottawa. I do too, because Caleb Evans can be as good, can be the greatest quarterback ever created, and he's not going to complete passes on his rear end. <laughs> Montreal was get, was getting penetration on just about every play on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really tough unless they find a way to 
block block the Montreal pass rush. They were coming with four. They weren't coming with exotic blitzes or anything. Uh, if Ottawa can't block that, this game's over already. And if they can, we'll see if Montreal can produce more points with a more vanilla offensive package than they've been running at this point. Yeah, through these lean years of the past decade or so, um, the defense has been stalwart. You know, the defense has, has still been there all the time. I wish they didn't have to win games uh, for us. I wish they didn't have to keep us in games like last week. This was definitely the case. Uh, having their way with Ottawa, where, you know, uh, VA at all could not do much for the offense. But I think, yeah, in this case, like you said, <laughs> this defense really looked good last week against Ottawa just slicing through play after play, especially late game. They were just destroying this Ottawa line. So I'm going to go to Montreal minus the points. Okay, so this one again, weird half a point spread. Calgary is somehow half a point favorites at BC. People are believing in the Calgary snowball here. Joe, since this is basically a pick and you play CFL pick I'm going to have you pick them. What do you think, Calgary at BC? So, you're, so you should pick BC because I'm going to pick Calgary. Oh, I'm not necessarily going to go against you. I just, no, I just I'm just saying it. the just smart money it. is to go against me based off my pick okay. right. <laughs> But I'm, I'm going Calgary because they have gotten things together from their rough start. They're too well coached to be – they're an average team right now. But they're always they're going to be an average team. They're not going to have dips where they're just terrible for a while. And I just I still don't quite know what to make of BC because they haven't they've won one game in the in the division so far, and they had a chance last week to to assert themselves. Or was it last week or was it the week before where they played Saskatchewan? I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. Nope, that was that was two weeks ago. They had a chance to assert themselves against Saskatchewan, who we're agreeing hasn't been all that hot lately. Couldn't do that and then just got steamrolled by the Bombers. So they're coming off of those two games and then the bye. I think this is Calgary's game. I think they have a chance to put themselves back in the pl- into playoff position, and BC's going to have a hole to dig out of after this one. Yeah, I can. The narrative of Calgary gaining steam and winning this game is really fetching. I don't even know if it's so much Calgary gaining steam. It's just a matter of who is good in the West besides Winnipeg. Maybe the answer is nobody. Maybe it's a clump of average in between the sandwich of Winnipeg and Edmonton. And right now, the one team that is consistently average is Calgary, and BC hasn't been quite quite to that standard lately. So you more or less see this as a coin flip. So so you pretty much agree with this ridiculous half a point points. This should be a pickup. I would say I would give Calgary a three point bump. Oh wow! Okay. I don't think Calgary is going to walk into BC place and blow the hell out of the. Uh, out of the Lions here. I just don't think BC is that the team yet that can defend their home field against a team that's about as good as they are. Wow. Yeah, but again, you got to drop the use of that yet because if not now, when? It's that time. Next uh, year? Okay, so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so just for interest's sake, I'm going to take BC because here's the argument. Here's the argument for BC. BC was the one team that managed to get a week off last week. Got the bye week. And, you know, Mike O'Reilly has looked better and better and better. 
you know, uh, maybe not necessarily statistically, he's not taking great leaps and bounds, but he's looked better every week. Now, the home field advantage is kind of dead here because it's four, the, the kickoff time is four uh, local time, PST. So that's a regular time game for Calgary. So no great home field advantage there. Okay, all things being equal, I'm calling this a coin flip. And yeah, I'll say BC just because Joe said Calgary. You're right. You're right. I'm going to go against you. Yeah, and, and, and if BC does have playoff aspirations, they better make it happen because guess what's on the slate next week? And what's on the slate the week after? What's on the slate next week? Oh, BC boy. at Winnipeg. Oh, boy. Then BC at Toronto. And then BC at Hamilton. Then they're home against Calgary. So oh, they get wow. the so they do have a chance to come off the mat if they can get through that gauntlet. And then Edmonton at home for the final week. The question is, is does it matter at that point? They've already got the lines up for week 12. Okay. Of the season. Don't look. Don't look. Okay. BC at Winnipeg. Guess the line. Guess the line up. I'm going to say Winnipeg minus 12. Okay, minus 10. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was thinking 10 seemed too, too pat. I was thinking they might have gone a little bit too, a little bit harder than that, but should have gone with my first instinct. That line is not going to stay. If you, like Joe, think it's going to go up to 12, bet it now. Because this this line is only going to go up. It's not going to get up. BC could smoke this week, and that line is still going to be about ten. Might be nine and a half. But <laughs> wow, wow, that's crazy. So wow. all right, I'm now I want BC to win big against Calgary because I want to see what happens to that line. All right. Other than that, we've we've run this horse into the ground, so to speak. So let's wrap it up with the white and blue. Joe, latest wisdom for the week. Go Bombers. It's not wisdom. No, Go Bombers is a way of life. <laughs> no, I, I would just say, I would just say, uh, I went all home teams last week and now I'm going all road teams. It feels kind of weird, but that's where I'm at. So, <laughs> all right. Well, best luck with that. It's only three games this week. For the Roof Right Blue, I am Oz Davidson for my co host, Joe Pritchard. We are out of here. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.